Thanks very much, Becky. Good morning, everybody. Well, I guess one of the great frustrations um, in this life is when things break down, isn't it? Um, whether it's the car, the plumbing, the, the Wi-Fi, the dishwasher, whatever it may be. And there are some people who will just immediately get somebody out to fix it or maybe even go out and buy a new one. Um, and there are others, um, probably myself included, irrespective of their level of competence, will think, I'm sure I can fix that. How hard can it be? And inevitably, months, if not years, go by with the item remaining broken and you get used to living with it. I wonder how many of us got used to living in a, in a country that is known as broken Britain or accepting the world in which we live is, is broken beyond repair. The earth was given to humankind by God to, to look after and as human beings we fail to do that. And the main reasons are our, our greed and our selfishness caused by our sinful nature. Humans will go to war over territory and natural resources. They will ignore the, the damage to the environment and allow future generations to live with the consequences. Sin doesn't just affect human relationships, as we saw last week when we looked at the issue of injustice, but it affects the whole of the creative world in which we live. As it says in Romans 8, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. So it comes as a relief when we read in this passage in Isaiah that God has promised that he will create new heavens and a new earth, which won't have the failings or the pain of this world, but which will be a place of everlasting joy. This is the third and last sermon in our little series in Advent in Isaiah. Uh, so far, we've looked at uh, the fact that um, Jesus has come already to bring good news, that Jesus will come again to bring justice. And this morning, we're going to look at the fact that Jesus will come again to bring joy in the new heavens and the new earth. And that promise of future joy should change uh, our whole attitude to this life. We don't uh, have to curl up in a ball and wait for the pain to go away, the joy to come one day. We can live our lives now full of joy and hope, whatever our circumstances may be. One of the confusions that some people have uh, when they think about heaven is sometimes the idea that um, well, when we die and leave this physical place, we will somehow float around in the sky. And it's true that when we die, if we belong to Jesus, we are told that we will go to be with him. One of the criminals on the cross who uh, who died alongside Jesus, he admitted his guilt and asked Jesus to remember him. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. So there is a place where we will go, but it's like a, a temporary place because the Bible also teaches here and in other places that God will create new heavens and a new earth. So there will be change for the good, but there will also be some sort of continuity with what we have now, some similarity with the earth as we know it. In 1 Corinthians 15, we're told we will receive new bodies in the same way that Jesus received a new body when he uh, rose from the dead. He clearly still had a human form, but was able to do things which he couldn't do in his previous earthly body, like appear in a room that was locked. 
And we could spend ages speculating what this new heavens and new earth will look like. But let's see what the passage here has to say. Because it doesn't describe the physical features of it. But it does give us some key ways in which it will be an, it will be an improvement on life in this current broken earth. As we look ahead with the joy that awaits us. I hope it will help us in terms of how we live our lives today. And the first thing that... Uh, there will be that we read is there'll be joy instead of weeping we will all have had some experiences of joy in this life i hope um maybe it's the joy of achievement maybe good results at school maybe you're learning a new skill or a, a hobby maybe a promotion at work of course the joy of achievement never really lasts does it you might recognize this guy, footballer Ronaldo. He's achieved some incredible things in his life. He scored over 800 goals, including goals in five different World Cup tournaments. But uh, the other night, he was replaced by a new star, Gonzalo Ramos. And as the rest of the team celebrated their victory, he walked off dejectedly, recognizing that his career as a player for Portugal was probably coming to an end. A more long-lasting joy is um, relational joy. Some may enjoy the love of friendship or, or marriage, but again, that doesn't always lead to lasting joy. Even between good friends and family members, there will still be tension and frustration from time to time because none of us is perfect. And if you've been reading the Advent devotional book, uh, you'll be aware of just how far short we all fall of that perfect description of love described in 1 Corinthians 13. Imagine if we experienced perfect love. Because that's the promise we have here. Look at verses 18 to 19 on the screen there. It says, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. There will be uninterrupted joy. And the reason is that we will know just how much God loves us. I will take delight in my people, he says. They will make him happy. As we said the other week, uh, when the reading of God's word um, by Ezra caused the people of Israel to, to weep at their sinfulness, Nehemiah said to them, do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. He was saying, God has been delighted to forgive you, to save you, and enjoy a relationship with you. So turn your weeping to rejoicing. There are things in this life that cause pain, that cause sadness, and make it hard to to rejoice all the time. One of those is death. At the memorial service um, last Sunday evening, we were able to come together to express our grief to the Lord for those we've lost and to seek his comfort and strength. But in the new heavens and the new earth, we're told in verse 19, of the sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. There will no longer, it says, be untimely death. Never again will there be an infant who lives but a few days. In Isaiah's day, the Infant mortality rate would probably have been about 25%. 
around half of children probably wouldn't have reached the end of puberty. In our country today, it's about 0.4%. But for those who experience it, and there may be some here, it's heartbreaking. And then there are all those who experience the loss of miscarriage, which would be at about 25%. In the new heavens and the new earth, death will be wiped out completely. There'll be joy instead of weeping. One of the hard things about life is that the pain, the hurt, the grief, the guilt that we experience never really fully leaves us in this life. By God's grace, we we learn to, to live with these feelings. He sustains us through them. We experience the freedom of being forgiven, the grace to forgive others. There are often still emotional wounds under the surface. In verse 17, it says, The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. In the book of Revelation, it says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. It's like God is pressing the, the reset button on our lives. He will save the files that are good for us and then delete the rest so that we can make a new start. In the new heavens and earth, we can look forward to a future of joy instead of weeping. And that confidence in God's promise for, for the future enables us to experience joy today, even if our lives are tough. Because we know that God loves us and Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. In the new heavens and earth, we will also be citizens instead of exiles. I mentioned before in this series the, the different levels of prophecy that the Old Testament prophets use. At one level, Isaiah here is preaching to the people of Israel who will in the future find themselves invaded by Babylon and taken into to exile. They'll have to leave behind everything they've worked hard for. What will they need to hear at that point when they're living in exile? That although they in many ways deserved their punishment, that God has not rejected them. That they will one day return to their land, they will one day live again in security. And so verse 21 is a great encouragement to them. It says here they will build houses and dwell in them. They'll plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them. Or plant and others eat. And that's exactly what happened, that they were allowed to return, to rebuild their city, their country. And you can read about that in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. Many people today have experienced the trauma of having to leave their homes and everything they have in fear of their lives. It's a film out at the moment you may have come across called The Swimmers, which tells the true story of sisters Yusra and Sarah Mardini from Syria. When civil war broke out uh, in 2011, their home was destroyed. They had to go and live with their, their grandmother. Uh, and after four years of living in fear of shelling and sniper attacks, they made the difficult decision to flee their country in search of safety in Europe. Sarah said this. She said, we had to risk everything for our basic human rights and start a new life. She says, it was really hard for me because I was abandoning everything. Our belongings, my family, my friends, my home, everything. They journeyed to Lebanon 
and then on to Turkey, where they arranged to be smuggled into Greece on a dinghy. However, the refugees were in the middle of the Aegean Sea when the engine of the overcrowded dinghy uh, cut out and was in danger of sinking. To light on the load, the two girls and two others who could swim got into the water and swam for several hours, eventually reaching the shore and saving the lives of those on board. They then followed a harrowing journey across uh, Europe, but they eventually made it to, to Germany. And there, Yusra resumed her swimming career and ended up competing at the Rio Olympics as part of the refugee Olympic team. It's estimated that there are over 100 million refugees worldwide. And one of the hardest things for them is feeling that they, they don't really belong anywhere. They are exiles, not knowing whether they will be able to, to return to their homes and live again in peace and security. There are many with us from Ukraine experiencing that right now at this time. But there is a great encouragement for the life to come. Look what verse 21 says again. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruits. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. Imagine if you've been a refugee for most of your life to hear the good news of what it will be like to build houses and stay in them. To not fear that they will have to leave everything that they have in a moment. Heaven will be a place where people can belong, where they feel secure, where they don't have to worry about leaving their homes. And God's people will live together in perfect harmony, as it says in verse 24, before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. If we are Christians here this morning, and the Bible teaches us that we, in this world, are foreigners and exiles. We don't belong here. Our true citizenship is in heaven. And yet I wonder how many of us would rather, in some ways, be citizens of the world than citizens of heaven. Again, we can get a glimmer, a glimpse of what it will be like in this life to be a citizen of heaven as we become part of a church, a people who share a love for God and for each other. Churches will never be perfect because none of us is perfect, but they should be places where we can come together, where we can worship joyfully, where we can encourage and support one another through our different challenges, where we can help each other grow in our faith, and where we can feel that we belong, citizens instead of exiles. But the new heavens and earth won't be just one long worship service. There will be activity. The difference between that activity and much of what we do on this earth is that it will be fruitful activity instead of futile labor. Many of you here may have jobs that you do find satisfying. You may be doing what you've always wanted to do, or if not, at least it's still quite an interesting job and it plays quite well. Young people here may be wondering what career they can do in the future that gives them fulfillment and satisfaction with a decent salary. There may be others here whose job gives them no satisfaction at all. There may be others who are out of work. There are many people in the world who have very unsatisfying jobs, 
But they keep going just for the sake of survival, of having enough money to, to feed their families. There are those who are exploited, who are effectively slaves and have to put up with terrible working conditions in which they're risking their lives. It's estimated that in Qatar there have been several thousand deaths of migrant workers involved in the construction of the infrastructure for the World Cup. According to the latest estimates, 1.7 billion people in the world live off less than £2.50 a day. In this world, we were told that after the fall, work would be hard. The ground would be cursed and it would require painful toil and sweat to eat food from it. But the good news is that in the new heavens and the new earth, it won't be like this. Verse 22 says, For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. Work will be a joy. People will be able to use the different gifts they have to produce something that will give them great pleasure. They'll be able to come together to produce something useful. I don't know if you've ever watched the TV program, uh, DIY SOS, where a team of builders um, offer their construction skills for nothing to build or renovate a home for somebody in need. It's a joy for them to be able to come together and do something useful and fruitful, to see the pleasure that they brought others. I wonder if heaven will be something like that. We're knowing what the new heavens will be like then. How does that help us to prepare for it now? But Jesus said this, he said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Knowing Jesus will come again and bring joy in a new heavens and a new earth, doesn't mean we just indulge ourselves in this life and satisfy our own needs as much as we can. It means we can build up treasures by remembering that everything we have in this life has been given to us by God to use to to serve others, to bring him glory. And that means being therefore generous with our, our time, our treasures and our talents by using them for fruitful activity. And finally, the new heavens and earth will be characterized by peace instead of war. Jesus said, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. There have always been wars in the world. For most of us in this uh, country, we've been privileged to have been largely protected from that over the last uh, 80 years or so. But it's never far away, is it, as we've seen this year with the war in Ukraine. Talk of a possible third world war. Back at the beginning of the book of Isaiah, in chapter 2, Isaiah had this vision. He said, The Lord will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. And now at the end of Isaiah, in this chapter here we see, it says this in verse 25, the wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat straw 
like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. The wolf, the lion, the serpent, animals that signify violence, they'll be tamed. The wolf will feed not on the lamb, but with the lamb. There won't be an expression, cry wolf, anymore, because you you won't need to worry about wolves attacking anyone. The lion won't feed on smaller animals, but like them will feed on vegetation. The serpent won't bite and poison other animals or people anymore. It's a wonderful image of peace. There are people in conflict zones throughout the world today who wake up each morning to the sound of gunfire and explosions. There are children who live in homes where there is domestic conflict who wake up each day to the sound of shouting and screaming and fighting. Imagine, instead of waking up to those sounds, to the sound of quiet, to the sound of birds singing, children laughing and playing. Imagine turning on the news and not one of the news stories is about war or murder or violence. It's a wonderful thing to to look forward to, isn't it? And once again, it should help us in the way we live our lives today. In the words of Paul to the Romans, he says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Let me read of the serpent eating dust here. Some of you may recall what God said to the serpent in the book of Genesis after the fall. The serpent being the devil. He said this, cursed are you above all livestock. And all wild animals, you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. The serpent, the devil struck the heel of the woman's offspring, that is Jesus. But Jesus crushed his head. He defeated sin. He defeated death. It's because of that conquest over sin and death that we can trust God that uh, Jesus, when he comes again, will wipe it out forever. He will create a new heavens and a new earth where there will be joy instead of weeping, where we will be citizens instead of exiles, where we will belong, where there will be fruitful activity instead of futility, and where there will be peace instead of war. It's a wonderful vision, isn't it? It's a beautiful vision. It's something that can be enjoyed by everyone if you accept the invitation of Jesus to follow him as your saviour and your Lord. And for those of us who have already done that, it doesn't mean we just sit back and wait for heaven. We seek to give people a glimpse of heaven in the way we live our lives here on this earth. Whatever our situation, we can show the deep-seated joy that we have in our hearts, knowing the love of God for us, knowing that he delights in us. We can show how much of a privilege it is to to belong to God's people, his citizens, as we express our commitment to our fellow believers in the church. We can use our time, talents and treasures in fruitful activity. And as far as it is possible, we can live at peace with everyone. The more that in God's strength by his grace we live lives like this the clearer the vision of heaven will be that we are able to give to those around us 
So as you go into this uh, next week, let me leave you this question. How will this vision of the new heavens and the new earth change the way you live your life this week? Why don't you talk about that after the service? Let's pray. Father of God, we are aware we live in a in a world is, which is not as you created it, you created it to be good. And because of our sinfulness as human beings, it has become broken. And we are aware that we as human beings are not able to, to make it right. But we thank you for your promise that you will come again, that Jesus will come again to this earth. He came once to defeat sin, to defeat death. And he will come again to complete the work that he started. We thank you that he will come again to gather his people to be with him. We're aware of that invitation he gives us. And may we be among those people as we put our trust in him. And we thank you for this wonderful vision we've looked at this morning. A, a place where there will be everlasting joy and no weeping. where we will belong, where everybody will belong. There will be no, nobody excluded, no exiles, nobody living in loneliness. A wonderful community of love where there will be fruitful activity, where there will be peace and no conflict. Father, help us to prepare for that life to come in the way we live our lives now. So show us as we go into this week how we can live lives that are pleasing and honouring to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.